Ladies, it's a joy to be back today. I've so looked forward to this day coming, and it's here, and one session's done. <laughs> so now, now, not nervous. Um, I had to have people tell me stop being nervous, you know, just you're prepared, just, you know. So it's, it's a joy, and yes, I've enjoyed um, some of the songs, the reminder about our church family, and I thought about that when Christina was talking, that how precious God has been to me, his word has been to me, but also my new church family has been to me. Just the idea when the tears are there or when the sadness is there, the love from others that are there to, to take and to hug me and tell me that they're praying, that is what God has in a church. Forsake not the assemblings of yourselves together. Our church service, yes, there's times where you're going through trials and you maybe don't want to go, but you should go. You should go. If you cry, you cry. You know, it's hard, it's hard. But God has a purpose for you each time that you go to the services. God will strengthen you through that. And then through, of course, your study at home in God's Word. And um, today, this... This may be the most important message that I bring to you. And for some of you who have lost your husbands as well, I'm speaking particularly today on marriage. But there's so much we can get out of it if you're not married, if you've lost your husband. There's still communication, there's friendship, there's children, there's all other aspects that I hope, I hope it can apply, I hope you will learn or it will encourage you, but our marriages, our homes are so important, our Christian homes, our marriages. Um, marriage is hard. Marriage is not this um, easy peasy, you just are together and everything's always, as my husband would say, honky-dory. I don't know where he got that from, but he used that all the time. Um, it, it can be difficult at times. You may have a great marriage. There still may be an up or down, and how do you react? What do you do with that? Or you may be here struggling in your marriage. That's not uncommon. You, you have two very individual people now brought together, living together, and there can be struggles. So I hope, I hope that God will use this message to be a blessing to each one of you, whatever your circumstances are. The, and then I am going to ask, you have the verses on your sheet, so I am going to ask some of you to read. I'm just going to say, would somebody read that? And will somebody quick pop up and read as loud as you can? But I will say the reference, so at home, we're not sure whether they'll be able to hear that if they're listening, but I'll give the reference, and just as loud as you can, if you could read, Okay? The Apostle Paul wrote beautifully of overcoming. We are to be overcomers. That's what we're focusing on this weekend. In Romans 8, 35 to 39, you all get excited when you hear that, right? Because it's such a beautiful chapter, such a beautiful passage. He summarizes the power believers have through the Holy Spirit to overcome any attacks of the enemy. Greater is God that is in us than he that is in the world. The enemy is not, 
He does not have all power. He is extremely limited. Verse 37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I can't think of any more important area that's you need in overcoming than your marriage. The world is looking for good marriages. So many Christian marriages are stumbling and falling apart. You know that divorce rate among Christians and non-Christians, there's no difference anymore, unfortunately. And that shouldn't be. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But God wants our marriages to be a picture of Christ and the church. Christ and the church. What a beautiful picture there. So that's how important it is that carefully, day by day, we seek to have victory in our marriages with our husbands. That means seeking his good, listening to him, and following him. Would someone read Romans 8, 35 to 39? Who's got It and I chose this little funny one. It's talking about an elderly couple that's married, and as they got older, they begin to forget things. So they went to the doctor and said, Doctor, we're forgetting a lot. What advice do you have for us? And he said, Well, if you want to remember something, write it down in a little note. And so they went home and thought, This is a great idea. So the wife, I don't know why it's the wife, but the wife says to her husband, they're sitting in the living room, Honey, would you go get me a dish of ice cream? If it was me, it would be chocolate. But I think it's vanilla. But um, anyway, so the husband, she said, you better write it down. Remember what the doctor said. I can remember a dish of ice cream, don't worry. And then she said, but I want strawberries on it. Would you please put some strawberries on top of it? And now don't forget, no, I can remember that. Ice cream and strawberries. And whipped cream. Gotta have whipped cream. No cherry on the top, though. And she said, please write that down. That's three things I need, all of them. So he said, my memory's not that bad. I can remember ice cream and strawberries and whipped cream. So he went into the kitchen, and about half an hour later, you probably read the end of it, didn't you? No, good, okay. The, he comes back with the dish of eggs and bacon. And she said, I knew it. I knew you'd forget something. Where's the toast? <laughs> I thought that was cute. So that was good. They were both on the same wavelength, weren't they? Yeah. Um, okay, Malachi, we're going to look at four needs that relate to building companionship this morning. Companionship is really an important aspect of your marriage. Companionship, being a companion. Being friends. Those of you that maybe aren't married, but you have a good friend. 
we can build those relationships, not take them not take them for granted. That's the worst thing we can do is take our relationships for granted and think, well, I can just be myself. They have to love me. You know, they have to be my friend. They have to be my kids. You know, so um, Malachi 2, 14 to 16. Will someone please read that? Yet you say, wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant, and did not make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that you deal not treacherously. And there's a couple of things in there. Just to remember, the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. God was there when you took your marriage vows. She's your companion. A companion is a friend, someone you walk through life with. What a good word to use with, with our marriage. He hates divorce. God hates divorce. There's different things he talks of in the Bible about what he, what he loves and what he hates. So we want to look at four necessities of companionship. First of all, very important, companionship needs communication. Good communication. It's such an important key to marriage. Quality talking time. Share your hopes, your joys, your disappointments, your concern. Proverbs 18.13 He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it's folly and shame to him. Don't be so quick to answer. Listen. Sometimes we just don't listen. We think we know what the other person is going to say, and we jump in there, and it isn't at all what they wanted to explain. Ask questions. Be interested. Your husband needs to know he's interested. And I look back, okay, and I think how many times I've failed as a wife. You know, in so many times. But that's in the past. Many times, you know, we still had a great marriage. But you have your lives before you, those that have lost your husbands, it's the same. You know, you lived your life, and we don't go back and have regrets. You know, we go on from now, but you that have your marriage before you, learn. Get these things in your heart. Train yourself to really listen, to really care when your husband is speaking. A lot of marriages have poor communication. They just don't, they say what they want. You know, my husband's stuck with me. You know, or that type of an attitude. Be careful of being critical and offering too much advice. Be honest and open. If you can't be honest and open with your husband, who can you be? With friends, when you're talking to them, with your kids. Yes, be honest and open with each one that you have communication with. There's a right and there's a wrong time to share your concerns and annoyances with your husband. And that has to be done carefully. You don't attack. You don't attack. And try not to get annoyed with your husband. Have we not been annoying to them? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. Brian's saying no. No. So that's good, Deborah. 
when your husband is at fault. Yes, the husband is not perfect, right? We can say amen to that. There's no perfect husband, no perfect wife. So when he's at fault, would someone please read Mark 11, 25 to 26? And when you stand pray, forgive, if you have fought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So important. When your husband's at fault, what do you do? Not talk to him? Until he comes and says, I'm so, I'm so sorry for what I said. What if he never does? No. You forgive. You have a spirit of forgiveness. But he hasn't come and talked to me and asked me to be forgiven. Have a spirit of forgiveness. Be a forgiving person. The opposite of being... I didn't get into that, but that's one of the things I love, I love to, to bring up is the bitterness that will come into your heart and into your life if you do not forgive. There's a few things in my life that have been just a no-brainer. If you want to, I don't usually use that word, but it came and it's true. A couple of things that are just so dogmatic, and one is forgiving. Forgiving, I must forgive. It doesn't, I don't care. It doesn't matter what anyone has done to me. I, I will forgive because Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 15, about that little root of bitterness that comes up is going to affect you and others that you're around. It's going to destroy you and it's going to destroy those you're around, bitterness. And it's because of a lack of forgiveness. There are a lot of people who go through life harboring grudges being offended, don't be offended. Don't ever be offended. If someone says something to you and you think, what they mean by that? Forgive. What difference? You've probably done the same thing to others. Don't take offense. Be quick to forgive, especially in your marriage, especially with friends, especially with your children. Don't hold anything against them because bitterness will destroy you that little root of bitterness, that's all it has to start with. And it'll grow and it'll destroy you and your, and with others. And so to me, when I really read that and really understood that, I don't even know when, it's been a long time, it was like, no, no, forgive. So that's really important when your husband is at fault, forgive, so that God will forgive us our, our sins as well. Colossians 3, 13 to 14. Would someone please read that? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Forgiving one another again. Forbearing. Being patient with people. Putting up with people. Forgiving. Just as Christ forgave you, forgive others. And that's the same in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for, for God's sake, forgave you. So just like Christ forgave us, we're to forgive others. So what have we done to Christ? How has anyone sinned against us? 
more than how we've sinned against Christ. Impossible. Impossible. We've sinned so many times, so many ways against Christ. And both of these verses say, just like Christ has forgiven us, you forgive others. So if you can't forgive because somebody has done something so terrible to you, you go examine your life before Christ. You look at the things that you've done against him before you were saved and after you've been saved and forgive. When you are at fault, this is interesting, or someone thinks you're at fault, okay? Sometimes people get offended at you and you don't even know what you did. You didn't mean to do anything, um, you, but people take offense at you. So regardless of which it is, would someone read Matthew 5, 23 to 24? Therefore, thou bring thy gifts to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath talked against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, Okay, right. So if, if we've actually sinned against someone or someone thinks we have, go back, talk to them, make it right. Ask for forgiveness. I'm going to talk quite a bit about that. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Is that hard for you to do? For some people, it's really hard to do. Just that. And you know what that is? I don't have to tell you. It's pride is pride, that we can admit we were wrong and we need forgiveness. We have this can have this lofty idea of us that it's always the other person, we're the one that does right. But it's just so important to have humility and put pride off. God hates pride if you harbor pride. And sometimes we don't, we're not even aware of it. Ask God to reveal sin to you. If you have pride in your heart, Ask him to reveal that and ask God to forgive you and give you victory. Who are we to think we're anything? Who are we? When a child is acting badly before school, how do you react? Do you holler or do you try to still firmly straighten things out? Do you set a mood before they get off to go to school? Same thing with your husband. If your husband has is in a bad mood or... Um, I know none of your husbands are ever in a bad mood, but, you know, if they are, what's your reaction? Are you encouraging? Do you try to help them? Watch your attitude and be a good example. Don't respond hastily, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Keep your relationships clean and, clean and pure, regardless if they're children. Children are important. Grandchildren are important. Don't let things develop. If you think that you sense something that's not right, go to them and say, have I done something? Have I, you know, or just love them. Keep your relationships good. Four rules for communication. Most of you have probably heard this at one time or another, or if you haven't, they're just some of the most wonderful things in communication. Such great helps for us. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we're really good and then we get off and we forget what we should do. So the first one is Ephesians 4.25. Would someone please read that? Therefore, putting away mind, speak every man's truth with his neighbor, for we are members of him. First one is be honest. Simple. Be honest. Don't lie. 
That should be, again, a no-brainer. I don't ever use those words, but I don't know. It's just so perfect for that. Um, don't lie. Be honest when you're speaking. I know with children, if children, and, and it can be with adults too, but you may have kids at times that you weren't sure whether they were telling the truth or not because you caught them and things that weren't true. So when they said something, they say, I'm telling the truth. You're like, um, I hope you're telling the truth. If we are honest, if we honestly talk to people and something comes up and you say, I, I did not do that. This is what happened. People will believe you if they know you are an honest person and don't lie. When you lie or tell half-truths, um, I thought of the example if you're out shopping with a friend and you come home and you know you have this bag and your husband says, oh, what did you buy now? Well, I bought this little $5 scarf. Isn't it nice? And in the bottom of that bag is something you spent $50 or $100 for, but you don't tell them that. That's lying. That's a half-truth. Be honest. Be honest. Keep current. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Lots of angry people out there. Don't be angry in your sin. Yes, Jesus was angry at sin. The temple, when they had the money changers and he drove them out with a whip. There's things, aren't you angry at some things that are going on in our country? Killing babies? All of this gender unbelievable stuff. We were in Canada waiting for America when this all started to come out to say, this is crazy. No, we're not. And then all, and it's like, what happened? All of a sudden we're there. It's okay. The schools and everything else. I don't understand that. I don't know how America got there. But America's, you know, just a certain place. So there's things that, yes, we get angry at that are against God. Things that people say about God and other things. But think of this with each other. Don't be, ang be angry at sin, but don't sin. If you're sinning about anger, it's very easy to get angry and be sin in sinful anger. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. I remember one time, I'm sure there were many others, I'm sure there were many others, but the one time that I remember in Canada with my husband, we were downstairs talking before bed, and then there were just unpleasant conversation. I don't remember who said what. I thought it was both of us. Maybe it was just me. But I was going upstairs, and I was going upstairs with a, no, it's not a good situation. And I'm walking up the stairs, going into my bedroom. I closed my bedroom door, and I thought, that's it. There's no way you're going to go lay down and go to sleep. You know you're going to have to go down and ask forgiveness and make it right. But what made me continue to go up the stairs, pride, pride, because I was going to have to go down and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, will you please forgive me, Dave? Why is that hard to do? I don't know. I don't know why sometimes it's hard to do to ask forgiveness, to admit that we're wrong. We know we're not perfect. But I did that. I went downstairs and Dave said, okay, sure. 
And then I and then we talked, and then I went upstairs. And on my way upstairs, I'm thinking, I thought it was both of us together. <laughs> and he didn't say, would you forgive me too? I thought he would. But that's okay. I counsel myself a lot. That's a good thing to do. Take that finger that you want to use with other people, point it toward yourself, and say, Betsy, it doesn't matter because you are responsible for your side. I am not responsible and was not responsible for my husband. And actually, I don't remember. Isn't that one of the wonderful things when you ask forgiveness? You forget. You forget. Maybe the thought, or if you have to forgive someone where they don't even ask, just to put that off. You have to continue to do that and continue to do that. And it may have been that I honestly was the one responsible for the whole thing, you know? Maybe he didn't do anything. Of the two of us, I was the little honoriest one. My husband was, I was really a pretty nice guy. It might have been me, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We're only responsible for us. And that, and that is so good because that verse really stood out in my life that I knew I could not go to bed with something between us. Some of you are newly married. Um, Ashley's probably the, the newest married. Don't let things add up day in and day out because it's easy to do and that is where you have the problems. And it doesn't mean you get to wait till the end of the day at night midnight and then go down and make it right if something happens in the morning you give them a call if they've gone somewhere and you make it right and again it's not you don't go to them with the idea of well we really messed up today didn't we let's both ask each other forgiveness no you go to them taking care of your side you humble yourself because humility is good for us it really is we we need not to live our lives as being proud. Pride will destroy you, will put you, it'll, it'll, you will be unusable if you have a proud heart. Attack the problem, not the person. I love this one too. Don't attack the person. Have we ever said, you're a liar? <laughs> you're lazy. Have we? Has that ever come out of our or mouse, or something like that. Don't attack the person, attack the problem. Okay, if someone is not telling the truth, there is a problem. And there's times you need to sit down and you need to go over it and, and be honest but loving. I find that I just have trouble trusting you because sometimes you don't tell the truth. But saying it from a heart where you have to say it, there's times you can, I am a big believer in letting love cover a multitude of sins. I am not one to go to somebody every time that I think somebody said something or did something. I, I'm a big believer because God covers, you know, God doesn't convict me and hit me and lay me down every time that I do wrong. God's love covers me so many times. And I love to be able to let love cover some of these other areas, pray for the person, maybe find the best opportunity where you can be a help and they're open. If people aren't open, you're really not going to get anywhere. 
you maybe just cause more problems. But this verse was such a good one. Um, would someone read that, please? No. Ephesians, I'm sorry. Bad communication, none. No corrupt communication, none. Not a little bit. Oh, I did better yesterday. I did better today than I did yesterday. That which is good, good communication, edifying communication, talking to people that will build them up. Not pride, I'm not talking about that. Just will encourage them that it may minister grace, God's grace how much grace he gives us all the time to the hearers. I brought this from Canada to Ohio to just show you, this is a verse that we talked about. My husband and I talked a lot in the morning before he went to work. It's this verse, Ephesians 4.29. And we sat it on our dining room table because we would often talk. And sometimes we discovered, you know, sometimes part of what we said wasn't really profitable. It wasn't edifying. It maybe wasn't horrible, but maybe it wasn't the best. So we, sometime, I don't even know how it happened, we began to challenge if someone said something that maybe wasn't too nice or, you know, just wasn't edifying to say, oh, Ephesians 4.29, and then the other person would say that verse. So Dave came home one day from work, and he had made this and put it in a frame. So before that, we just talked about the verse, but then he brought it and sat there. And it might be something that you guys can do. Maybe a favorite verse. This one is really good because our speech is so important, and it's so easy to get it wrong on that. But um, something that reminds you, writing little notes of verses and putting them around, memorizing them, keeping them in your heart. The fourth rule of communication is act, don't react. Ooh, that's a hard one too, isn't it? Well, do we react? Especially driving in a car, and you don't have time to think to act, do you? It's a reaction there. Would someone read Ephesians 4.31 and 2, please? Encourage your heart that when people are kind, 
take the time to be kind. You know, sometimes we don't have time to be kind. We say something nice, but we're on our way to do something else. Instead of just slow down and just show kindness and spend time with people and just love on them a little bit. People have hard lives. There's a lot of hard lives. And just again, remember, remember the forgiveness. Speech is so important. Watch what you say. People remember. People remember what's said. And we have no idea how much that can hurt people. We just, we have no idea. Little nitpicking comments are like cancer in marriage, slowly draining the life out of a committed relationship. We can be. Why don't you pick up your clothes that were on the floor? Look at the towel. What, what towel's still in the bathroom? What do you think I am? Your servant? I'm supposed to go cleaning up after you? Why can't you do this? Why can't you do this? We can get like that. Maybe you can. Maybe you're different. I could get like that. I could have, you know, a tangent or something or let things build up and, um, you know, just carry on. It destroys people. It, it cuts communication. Encourage your husband. Respect him. We're In Ephesians 5.33, will someone please read that? Yes. Love and respect. We're supposed to respect our husbands. You may say he doesn't deserve it. I don't read that anywhere in the scriptures that God says respect those that deserve it. We're not deserving of many things that God does for us. Respect your husband. Keep a nice tone. Don't yell at your husband. Just speak kindly to him. And this doesn't, this verse doesn't have anything to do with your feelings. It's a command. We're supposed to do it. So first, companionship needs communication. Second, companionship needs commitment. Extremely important. You've got to be committed to your marriage. Those of you that are married, that are married, till death do you part. Till death do you part. Or the rapture. Till death. You don't even consider separating or, or getting a divorce. You don't even consider it. You work on your marriage. If you need help, you go get Christian counseling from your pastor. You get help. You pray. You dedicate yourself. You look at me. How can I make my marriage better? But you have that commitment when you marry. It is till death do you part. And no sooner than that. Our homes need to be a wonderful refuge with God at the head. And contrary to what you might hear from people, joyful couples don't go around expressing anger all the time. No, that is not a good thing. Well, he need, you need to tell him. Do you ever get advice like that? Don't listen to people who give you bad advice. You need to tell him what you think about that. Don't listen to those people. No, don't listen to them. Joyful couples don't see marriage as a 50-50 proposition. It's 100% on your part. If your husband is maybe not the best husband, then you pray for him. You love him. You work on it. You use times where maybe you can talk about it and probably he needs his heart changed with the Lord to get more fervent. 
And joyful couples don't think separate interests are as important as shared interests. Sometimes one is spending so much time doing all those things that they love to do that you, the two of you don't have much time. That's a difficult thing. That's a very difficult thing because if it's the husband and he's got all this stuff that he's doing all the time, you know, pray about it. Sometimes lovingly talk to him and try to schedule, you know, some things together that the two of you can spend time. Um, life is not, marriage is not always easy. You don't always have a partner who's um, very obliging. You can sit and talk about everything and your hearts are open. I know that. You don't, all marriages aren't like that. But you can be the best wife you can be and God will give you the grace and will give you the help to be the best wife you can be to him. And God can change the heart. We can't change the heart. Joyful couples view their husband or wife as their best friend. Do you feel that way about your husband? He's my best friend. I can't wait to sit and talk with him. Communication really helps that. The more communication you can get in your marriage, the closer your marriage will be to sitting and talking. Some of you are probably really busy. You think, where am I going to find all this time to sit and talk? I don't know, but as much as you can. Spend time together. Joyful couples regard marriage as a sacred long-term commitment. Yeah. We're married. We're married. And it's, it's going to stand till death do we part. They agree on goals. Good spiritual goals. Not just, oh, I can't wait till we get this huge house. And I can't wait till we buy it. Let's save our money so we can get this. Let's save our money until we can get that. Those things are fleeting. It's nice if you can move up and get a nicer house or, you know, get a newer car. Those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that really your most important goals that you make together? Serving together in church is so important that you find something, something you can do in your church. And it doesn't have to be important. It can be anything. You know what's one of the most important I think it's a great way to be able to serve. It was one of the ways I found when I when I found my new church that I love and I love the people there was just I sat the very first time I went in my church, I sat on the edge of a pew and sat there and I thought after that, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm gonna find somebody to sit by and make a friend. Because I didn't know anybody there. And then I'm going to sit by somebody else. I know a lot of people, maybe you're, you're probably the same. I would guess you sit the same place in church. Maybe you don't, but I never sit the same place. But I did that for a purpose because I didn't know people in the church. So I would sit by somebody new. And I have made so many friends. And before church, I try to go and see there's a couple sitting there or whatever. And I introduced myself and would talk to them. And you know what? A couple of people said how encouraging that was to them. And I didn't feel like that was even anything. Just it was as much for me as for anyone else just to get to know them. That's serving. That's serving. That's serving. If you help clean the church or if you pick up things or whatever you do, it doesn't have to be the huge things. It can be anything where there's a need. When I went... When I went, I told my pastor, I want to serve. 
I want to serve. And I don't care what it is. If it's hoovering, if it's, I don't care what it is. I just want to serve in any way. And I had my favorite things, but I was, you know, what a proud person that would be to say, well, I'd like to serve in the church, but I want to do this or that, so let me know when you can use me in those areas. No, be willing to be a help in any area that you can. So good spiritual goals, I don't know how we got to there, but developing a good marriage takes time and energy. It is not automatic. Christina, Ashley, you're newly married. Is it just automatic? Yeah, we just, yeah. We had the honeymoon period, you know. But it's, it's not automatic. Having a good marriage requires, I'm gonna use work, but I'm gonna use that very, very loosely. It, it requires caring about your husband, doing things for them. And marriage isn't his or hers, it's ours. And sometimes you might have a husband who everything is his, his, his. Pray, pray. Ask God to help you. Some things are hard, tough, you know. Mark 10, 8, would someone read that please? Twain shall be one flesh, and then they are no more twain, but one flesh. You and your husband, one, 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 one. Our young people need to wait to marry until they can wholeheartedly give themselves to that commitment. If they are not ready, you do all that you can as a parent to make sure that they are ready to be able to make that decision. Because once you live with someone, I mean, I thought it was great, but our first year, I already told you yesterday, we had lots of problems, lots of problems. We were too selfish. My husband wasn't as selfish as me, but we still, we were not right with God. And there were a lot of problems there. So you've got to have that commitment. Romans 7, 1 to 3, would someone read that? two could be put together at all. It quickly unravel. Here's the mystery. What looks like two strands is actually three. And the third, you don't necessarily see it, but it keeps it nice and tight. And that's how Christ is the third strand in our marriage. Husband and wife and Christ. Am I really 45 minutes past? I meant to bring my phone up. So, um, Okay. 
I'll keep this and maybe I'll stick in the rest a little bit later, okay? So we'll stop and thank you ladies.